You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast one of these days i'll be able to get through like it's a whole morning without messing this up it is monday october 25th we are here to break down the entire NFL slate from week seven, obviously outside of the Monday game tonight, which we've got the Seahawks and the Saints going up uh, against each other. Uh, some interesting games yesterday. I don't know that all of them were necessarily good. Uh, I'll be honest. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of them. A lot. Mike, can we redo? Can we, can we redo really quick? I did not get a chance to watch a lot of football. Watch a lot of football yesterday. Maybe this is the I one guess. we shouldn't record. Cheers. Guys, it's been fun. Till next year. All right, so I will say, well, I'll probably get this part wrong, too. We are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN, as we have up here on the top part of our screen. All of the, the podcast hashtag that, and we are proud to be a part of that network. Look at that. Nailed that part, at least. We got the money coming in. That's all that matters, Nice right? recovery. Nice all recovery. Right. Gentlemen, as always, we got it's it's Monday, so we've got Matt and Dennis here. How you guys doing? Man, I'm getting too old to be camping out in the woods with 10-year-olds. I don't care. Cot or no cot. It's – I'm sore. I'm stiff. Man, it's been raining. Didn't rain super hard, but it rained – all Friday night, and then it started raining 
overnight Saturday into Sunday morning. Been raining all day today. Uh, I'm just, I'm stiff, I'm cranky, tired, but I'm great. I don't think there is a correct age for uh, sleeping on a cot out in the woods. Um, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, unless I'm like up for some kind of money, that, that ain't happening. I'm sorry. Not, not, my, not, my kind, not my cup of tea, I guess I'll put. I'm, 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 in, I'm, you know, I'm a housebroken cat. I'll put it that way. In, in, indoor cat. I, I'm not like being outside. Yeah, we all decided to torture ourselves uh, during this season because I'm just like in remodel purgatory. Dennis right. took, took himself out to the woods. No, nah, I can't. No, no complaints here. You know, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. Right. Uh, oh, tell us a little bit about how um, you can get some help from a Hall of Famer. If you if you don't want to trust us, which is understandable at times, who else can well, you lean on? You know, we all have to start somewhere. Get the tools to help Bob Harris reach the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame at FootballDieHards.com. You can get the Flash Update Pro, a full suite of tools to make you a better fantasy manager. I know every Tuesday I receive an email. Now, we talk Monday, we're previewing waivers, but every Tuesday I get an email from Bob saying, hey, here's the guys you want to look at uh, for your waiver wires. Uh, Can't beat it. So rankings, configurable cheat sheets, mock drafts, consistency tools, target distribution, snap counts, all of the things you need to become a better fantasy manager are available to you. and the Flash Update Code Roundtable for an additional 15% off of the already low price of $24. That'll that'll take you to the championship on your way the rest of this season. That's Code Roundtable for an additional 15% off. Break down some games here. Some very I interesting. I was breaking games. it down, man. That's a little jammy right there. <laughs> I can, I can see it. I can see what we're doing. The graphics might have been better than the games. <laughs> that that may be true. The Packers beat the Washington Football Team twenty-four to ten. Matt reports Sunday suggested Ryan Fitzpatrick is still weeks away. Do you think we will see him again in twenty twenty-one? Well, you have the same hip injury that James White had, and James White. Uh, who's a little bit younger, although he plays running back, is out for the year. Fitzpatrick seemed to be on the fence about whether he was going to come back this year anyway, so I wouldn't be surprised, especially the way Washington's going. Does he want to try to limp out there and risk his walking future with a hip injury for a team that's 2-6, and 2-7, and 3-7? and seven? Uh, I mean, they just haven't looked that good. Yeah, I mean, what's the incentive for both Washington and for him? I get it. You're a competitor. You want to play. I mean, at this age, he's what? Isn't he like 37, 38, 39? I mean, he's no spring chicken. Um, And so it's not like he's playing for another contract. I think he signed a two-year deal in Washington, if I remember correctly. One year? So just this year? Yeah, it's just a one-year deal. So – you know, I don't know. I, I feel like Washington needs to they're they're two and five. 
play it out. You've got some good guys, but it's not like you're going to make a push for the playoffs, I don't think. So let him ride off into the sunset. And if he decides he wants to play another year, I mean, Houston will be looking. Yeah, I will say a happy belated birthday. Apparently, he's 38 years and one day old. So happy belated birthday to the man from Harvard. Yeah, he signed a one-year contract with Washington, which is why I think I, I kind of agree with you guys. If Washington was in the playoff hunt like I, we all expected them to be at this point, I think he clearly comes back and plays. But why come back and risk – I mean, I could see him coming back if he wants to try and put you know more out there, be like, hey, I'm still willing to play, wanting to play. As you just mentioned, Houston may be looking – you know, Davis Mills may not be the answer for them. I'd be curious to see what he ends up doing, but I'd put it on – Probably 60-40, he is not going to play uh, the rest of this season. Dennis, it was an easy win for Green Bay. Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon finally score. Are you buying into either one of them, especially with the fact that we found out today Devontae Adams is put on the COVID list, technically has a chance to be able to play Thursday, but it is very unlikely. I believe he's got to test negative twice in two 24-hour periods, so he's going to be cutting it very close to be able to play Thursday night. Well, you know, they're both going to be very up and down. I think, what what is it? Uh, I, I looked earlier. I think, uh, let's see, Lazard is wide receiver 70. Tunyon is tight end 23. I mean, I kind of think that's where they're at. You know, my I've maintained all season that – the difference maker opposite of uh, Adams is MVS because he has the blazing speed. Tunyon's or not Tunyon, uh, Lazard will get some playing time. He does some things really well. In this offense, I think he's a great third receiver, but he's not going to get enough volume. Uh, and MVS has been, I think, I think they're in the window now to activate him. I, I thought he might be back this week. So he'll come back. I, it's a funnel offense. The The touches are going to Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, and then the scraps are going to everybody else, and you're rolling the dice. The difference with MBS is that his scrap is usually a long, big play. And so if I have to make a decision between two catches and 17 yards or two catches and 69 yards, I'm taking the guy that's getting the yardage. Yeah, I think if Adams is out, all of them are potentially in play because it's a huge game on Thursday night with the Arizona Cardinals. Rob, um, Cobb, Randall Cobb would be a consideration for me too. I don't know if they're going to end up activating MBS, but I would also think they're probably going to lean a little harder on Aaron Jones. Man, you could certainly tell my dynasty leanings there is my answer different from Matt's about specifically Thursday, and I'm thinking like, all season into next year. Yeah, I'm not uh, – I don't know that – I think they would really rely on Aaron Jones and probably just spread the ball around. I, I don't know that I would trust any of those guys. I mean, maybe Tunyon because we saw a lot of him last year. He was really kind of touchdown dependent. He did get one this past weekend. Uh, maybe he's able to kind of get into a groove. I don't know that I would trust either Lazard or if they activate MVS or Cobb. I just, I'm hoping Adams plays. I have a lot of shares of Adams. He's, he's, in my opinion, has been the best wide receiver for quite a couple of years now. If he's out, that's going to be a, that's going to be brutal for that Packers uh, offense going up against the the last undefeated team in the NFL. 
The Titans blitz the Chiefs, probably one of the two most surprising games here for me this weekend. They went 27-3. The Chiefs struggle again. Dennis, what is it going to take for them to turn it around? Well, doesn't it feel like Mahomes is playing real-life Madden out there nowadays? I mean, he's just kind of – he can't wait to get out of structure and and try to make some crazy behind-the-back sidearm throw or or do something, and he's – you know, Hill being dinged up with the whoops, he got a quad or a hamstring, and and he's trying to play through it. Uh, Ceh, maybe maybe that offense just misses Ceh a lot more than anybody wants to uh, to to admit. But I think their challenge is really on defense, and and I get that they put up a ton of points typically, but their defense has given up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks, thirteenth most fantasy points. To running backs, 18th most to wide receiver, uh, and fourth most to tight end. So they're in, in the top half in just about every category, given up fantasy points. So I don't know that if the defense can't make more crucial stops, then you're going to end up with Mahomes just trying to to score points, and he starts taking chances too early. Uh, too many first and second down chances. And I get it because he's been successful with it, but it we, we're seeing the shortcomings in approaching a game that way right now. Clearly I misjudged which direction the sun drops in this one room I have to do my work. Uh, the Chiefs, the defensive problem, they definitely need to work on that. But as was pointed out by some others, they had a middle to lower half defense each of the years they went to the Super Bowl. Something fundamentally isn't really working with the offense. They tried to spend money and get pieces on the line. It doesn't seem like it's completely gelling yet. Uh, it seems also like the Buccaneers came up with a formula in that Super Bowl of a way you can push Kansas City outside of what it wants to do and cause problems and other teams have been able to deploy it pretty well. You look at the teams they've lost to. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens. They lost to the Los Angeles Chargers. They lost to the Tennessee Titans. They lost to the Buffalo Bills. Well, those are the teams right now that are sitting in playoff position. So those are going to be bad and painful losses. We went from thinking the Chiefs needed to get it together so that they could win the AFC West and have a high seed to the Chiefs need to get it together if they even want to make the playoffs. They're third or fourth in their own division, uh, which isn't great. They don't have a very good conference record right now because of all that. And offensively, you know, Patrick Mahomes is an exceptional player, and he's done a lot of great things. He's put up a lot of touchdowns this year. He's also leading the league in interceptions and has thrown interceptions in six straight games. We're not used to seeing that, and that is something that even good teams can't survive. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Mahomes, just in the fact that we saw Andy Reid came out a couple weeks ago and said, hey, we need, probably needs to cut down a little bit on the hero ball and something Dennis just mentioned. I think we see a lot of with him. He just seems, and maybe it's because of how bad the offensive line is too, right? I, I can't say that it is or isn't, but he does definitely seem to want to get outside of structure a lot more than I'm used to seeing with him. I do think not having CEH or just a competent running game is part of it because I think a lot of these defenses now can just kind of sit back in coverage. And a lot of times we've seen if they stay disciplined, even when 
Mahomes starts running around and just tries to fire it down to Tyreek Hill. Like it works sometimes, but then sometimes it doesn't. So I'm I'm not panicking. I mean, Mahomes is still putting in points for fantasy, but NFL wise, I mean, we may if you're a Chiefs fan, you may want to panic a little bit because I know we saw some some chinks in the armor a little bit with this Chargers team when they played Baltimore. But they look really good. I mean, all of a sudden you've got Cincinnati coming out of nowhere. Baltimore's been amazing. This this AFC is 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 loaded. And I still think Kansas City gets into the playoffs, but I don't know that they're going and making a deep run or making it to the Super Bowl with the way this offense and defense is playing, regardless of how bad the defense may be and how you just mentioned, Matt, that they've had below average defenses. Their offense is not what it was in those years, though, and I think that's the kind of biggest thing to worry about right now. That offense, I don't know, is is outscoring everybody anymore like they used to be. The Titans get the big win. No, I'll ask you to. I'm going to sit back and, and recuse myself because I did not I believe even have them making the playoffs when we did our projections. I thought the, the, the Titans were going to be horrible, but I'm pretty sure both of you had them in. Where would you rank them in the contenders of uh, the AFC, Matt? Well, I mean, they're tied for the best record in the AFC right now with Baltimore and Cincinnati. They've gotten quality wins against the Bills and the Chiefs in consecutive weeks, which we talked about on Friday, would be something you have to kind of take them seriously. They don't have a particularly hard path in their division. Indianapolis has been a little bit better, but they're still three and four. We've seen the core of this Titans offense make a run in the past. Um, They aren't that far removed from a team that was in the AFC championship game. I don't know if I totally believe in them, but I was more impressed with what they did defensively on Sunday uh, than anything else. Cause that like much like the chiefs, that has been a liability for them for a couple of weeks and they held up pretty well against an explosive Buffalo team and they smothered Kansas City, I think that has got to be the most hopeful sign if you're a Titans fan. Yeah, the Titans' defense is starting to gel. Um, they're making some plays. But what one thing they get is, you know, this team is going to go as far as Derrick Henry carries them. And if he doesn't break down and there's no indication that he's going to, uh, that defense doesn't spend they, – they don't get in a lot of situations where the offense is going three and out multiple drives in a row and that defense is getting gassed. When you get to the middle of the third quarter, the fourth quarter, the Titans' defense is pretty fresh because Derrick Henry will go out there and he'll grind out an 80-yard drive. You know, Occasionally he'll you know break one off and they have to get back out there. But they tend to get breaks and – be, they're able to strategize and get refreshed, but it's it's about Derrick Henry and the the offensive line is holding up reasonably well in the passing game, and Julio Jones and AJ Brown are starting to get I think probably as healthy as they're gonna be for the rest of this year, and then they've got the secret weapon out of the backfield in Jeremy McNichols, so that offense can do some damage. They got Evans back uh, this week. Yeah. All right. The Falcons beat the Dolphins. They come back and beat the Dolphins 32-28. Dennis, Pitts soars again. Is it time to start worrying about Calvin Ridley? I don't. I, I mean, Ridley is kind of playing the same role he did when Julio was there. So as long as he can 
continue to do that, you know, he's going to have a good season. Is, is he going to be the top one, two, or three? I think, you know, the way that Pitts has played, it's looking like, you know, they're both going to be as productive as we thought now instead of two wide receivers, it's a wide receiver and a tight end. I'm using air quotes for those listening and not watching. Um, but I think if we reframe our expectations on Ridley to be, you know, a top 15 wide receiver instead of a top five wide receiver, that's probably more realistic. Yeah, I think the disappointment comes from believing he could potentially have been the wide receiver one for the season. You know, he's seen 52 targets in five games played. You like that. He's averaging 10 targets a game. He's got 31 receptions, 281 yards. We haven't seen quite as many touchdowns early. Sometimes that comes back. Um, I think what you're really seeing is you're not seeing the explosive plays that we've seen in the past or these big plays. You know, last year he had ended up with 1,374 yards. He averaged 15.3 yards of reception. Right now he's averaging around nine yards of reception. Last year his long was 63. Uh, as a rookie, his long was 75. His long this year is 22. He's being, I think, what – is different is he's not the big downfield weapon. That seems to be what we've seen from Pitts, especially the last couple of weeks. He's more of the shorter possession receiver. You need volume uh, to be able to do that. He's getting the volume of targets. We had he hasn't put away a ton of receptions, but you know his game logs aren't terrible. It's kind of like what Dennis said. If you moderated expectations down to him being a wide, your wide receiver too, you'd be pretty happy. But where a lot of people took him and the hopes a lot of people had were a high-end wide receiver one, and it doesn't seem like it's tracking that way. Yeah, I believe I had him – I want to say I had him almost top five in ours uh, when we did our rankings as well. So it, it's, it does suck I to think see we that. all had him top three. Oh, I had yeah. him one. Did I have him top three? I might have. I'm trying to remember I, yeah, if I did I, I or think didn't. It, but. it was one, two, and three for all yeah, of them. Yeah, we all had the same three receivers as top three, but in a different order. He was my wide receiver one, so I've been kind of bummed. That's probably my my biggest because that's where I took him in redraft. I reached out and thought, this is the guy I'm going to stake my – him and Jonathan Taylor. At least yeah. Taylor is sort of – He's been amazing. Uh, I, I do think there's still time. We're seven weeks into the season. We technically have 10 more. They have, they've had their bye. There's plenty of time for, for Ridley to catch it, especially with this team likely being behind and passing the balls. But Matt Ryan's looked better the past couple weeks early on in the year. I wasn't quite sure. I thought Ryan might be over the hill. He's looked better. I'll say that I'm just, I'm going to be honest. If, if, if Ridley has to be the sacrificial lamb for, for Kyle Pitts to continue to go on and have the greatest tight end season of all time, I'm here for it. Love to see Felix sing that Ohio State Buckeyes fight song, baby, in an Ohio State shirt. Because uh, right now it's trending that way, and I'd very much like to not sing hail to the victors. Matt, the Dolphins' offense was solid, but the team loses again. I believe we all had them picked to make the playoffs. Can they do that now at 1-6? I think the the playoff picture is really fading for them. Um they're down with the Jets in the bottom of their division. And with the way the AFC is going and with all the teams that are kind of tightly packed over 500 and just below 500 that are all scraping for the playoffs, it's probably too big of a hole to come out of. And, 
you know, I think these Deshaun Watson rumors that persisted preseason and have continued to persist are not having a great impact on uh, Tua and his development. He was forced to talk about it in the post game a little bit and said that his coach and his GM have sat down and had discussions with him, which kind of gives you a moment of pause that this might be realistic. And I don't know what bringing a new quarterback in in the middle of the season would do. The biggest problem probably for the Dolphins, though, isn't their offense. It's that defense has completely fallen off a cliff, especially that secondary. Yeah, I I am not on board with the trade for Deshaun Watson. I think Tua has played well. Um, I think he plays a solid game. He's made some questionable throws that have resulted in turnovers but I think sometimes he tries to do a a little too much. It would be a shame for them to, I guess, give up on him and spend a bunch of capital to get uh, Deshaun Watson when really what they need to do is spend that capital and improve that defense and get a better running back. I mean, they've got a pretty good stable of wide receivers and including Mike Gesicki. I mean, he doesn't – I think Mike Gesicki plays less tight end, actual tight end, than Kyle Pitts does. But they need to spend some time and and get their in-house stuff straight. I don't think you're going to bring in Deshaun Watson and all of a sudden he's going to make that defense a force. Uh, I think I, I think you got to – I don't think they're in it by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no, I, I think Miami's but out of the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how long was I for? Just for a few seconds. I wasn't sure. Oh, there. I just I jumped in. Right. Yeah, they're uh, they they're. I think they're out of it. I I'm interested to see what happens with that defense because I feel like they played a lot better last year than they're playing this year, and I attribute a lot of that to Brian Flores and and how how sound and solid of a defensive mind he is. I do agree with the running game. Uh, we talked a little bit on Debbie debate last week. Uh, we were talking about some of the running backs for the 2022 class. I think Isaiah Spiller would be a great fit there. You know, not that Miles Gaskin is bad, but for whatever reason, they don't want to give him the ball. And I don't know if that's something we're not seeing, you know, in practices, something behind the scenes. Uh, but I do think they need to get, and I think they really need to get him uh, another possession wide receiver or, or someone else that will just be on the field. Cause Devontae Parker is not bad, but he's never on the field for the dolphins. And I think that matters. They've got to get someone they can pair out there with Waddle. I don't know that they bring Gusecki back, although he's having a phenomenal season. I don't know. They drafted Hunter long, I believe in the fourth round this last year. Do they just rely on him? Was it the third round? Jeez, even higher. So third round, are they, are they relying on him moving forward? Do they bring Gusecki back? I mean, they've got weapons. Um, I just, I think, I really want to know if any of the rumors about the trades either have, have been affecting Tua. I mean, we, we Matt, you brought up that there were rumors last year that he didn't quite know the playbook fully. You know, I, I think Tua is a really good quarterback. I'd, I'd be curious to see what happens with him in the offseason because there's, there just seems a lot of smoke for there not to be some kind of fire that if they're trying to move on from him, clearly maybe there might be an issue somewhere. Supposedly it wasn't rumors, but him actually saying last year he struggled because no, he didn't okay, know the playbook, which is probably not what you yeah. want to hear. Yeah, no, definitely not what you want to hear as a coach. Uh, the Patriots just destroy the Jets here, 54-13. to 13. Matt, the Jets struggle, and Zach Wilson gets hurt. They just made a trade to get Joe Flacco back in the building. But let's just be let's, – let's all be honest. The only player we care about is Michael Carter, who did look decent in this game. What are your thoughts on him moving forward? 
Yeah, they're not going to have a robust rushing game um, just because their line's not in great shape. He's getting a lion's share of the rushing work, which is good. I was encouraged yesterday, eight receptions for 67 yards on nine targets. You know who also also likes to check the ball down? Well, that would be one uh, 95-year-old Joe Flacco. So I don't think that quarterback change is going to hurt, whether it's Mike White uh, or Joe Flacco probably going to keep a workload for Carter. He seems to be clearly uh, above the pack there, which is a good sign. Um, and I think gives him uh, a pretty stable flex value. Yeah, I, I think Carter is moving solidly into the RB1 role in New York. Um, I almost feel like we're getting close to a Tevin Coleman getting cut situation. And uh, Ty Johnson, I don't know what value there is in keeping Coleman around. I think other than probably the only value is he's a vested veteran and you're going to pay him whether he's there or not. So you might as well keep him. But if he's holding back any anybody else getting an opportunity, it would make sense to let him go. Uh, you know, Carter, like Matt said, Carter's getting the most touches uh, in the backfield. And I think he'll continue uh to separate in that position in that I think for Wilson though with Flacco coming in it might not be the worst thing in the world for Wilson to sit two or three games uh and you know while White isn't the ideal guy for him to learn behind maybe Flacco can teach him a thing or two uh as a former elite uh you know Super Bowl winning quarterback yeah, if he's going to get the checkdowns, which Matt pointed out, Flacco is not afraid to do. I think that could push him to low-end RB2, possibly high-end RB3 territory, especially if he ends up getting the lion's share of the work with Tevin Coleman being healthy scratched. Uh, there's not really anybody else impressive in that backfield. I'd be curious to see if Flacco can bring anybody else back from the dead. I mean, Elijah Moore... Though he didn't get a, a passing touchdown, he got a rushing touchdown at least last week. You know, maybe can he do Crowder. anything else for this? Was it Crowder? I thought Elijah Moore got one. No, but Crowder's the one I would imagine he brings back from the dead. Oh, that may be true. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm zombies like other zombies. That's very true. I'd be curious to see if they're able to do if he's able to do anything else for anybody. Did um and because I, I did not see this, I didn't pay. I'm going to be honest. Corey Davis got a receiving touchdown as well. Did uh did they say how long Wilson's going to be out? It's two to four weeks, and on the NFL Network today, they suggested um, – so he has a PCL strain, and he said it felt loose, which I'm I no doctor. That, comment, so, that, yeah. that sounds negative. Um, they were suggesting – one of the former GMs was suggesting, you know, if this is Dak Prescott and your team's 5-1 and one about to make the playoffs and you have a really good offensive line and a good offensive team, you probably bring him back in two weeks at 85% and say 85% of Dak is better than anything else. But if it's Zach Wilson, you have a porous offensive line, you're thinking about the future and your team is horrific, he's probably out four to five weeks. Yeah, I would Which not. Uh... I would think trading for Flacco is an indication they think it's going to be more than a week or two. Yeah. I, I would imagine they're going to lean more toward the four, possibly four, five, six weeks to make sure that he comes back healthy because he is going to be their franchise quarterback. Uh, Dennis, the Patriots win big. Is is Damian Harris solidified? I, I don't even want to ask this question because I feel like everybody last week was talking about Ramondre Stevenson's coming out game and Bill Belichick just like, nah, he's not even playing. I don't want this to get back to Bill. I, I love Damian Harris. I was on him all last year. 
was on him all this season. Is he finally becoming that viable RB2 play? There I am. Harris is 12th in the NFL in carries through seven games. Now, granted, there's a couple guys playing tonight. Um, Kamara may. I'm not sure if Kamara's ahead or behind him. Uh, but nobody in uh, Seattle is going to overtake him. So he's clearly getting the run. I I wish that Belichick would go back and watch some college tape of Damian Harris and realize that, yes, indeed, he can catch the ball. There's always going to be some uncertainty with Belichick running backs because he game plans so specifically for certain things that occasionally Harris is just going to not get used. But he's settled in as the the RB1 in New England. He's going to run the ball most of the time. Yes, Ramondre Stevenson is going to have a role sometimes, and that's going to affect Damian Harris. But Harris is is the one there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wish I just wish Belichick. I don't. He Belichick has influenced so many coaches with the way he used running backs in the past that it's really kind of wrecked running backs for fantasy. So I, you just have to kind of adjust and adapt. But yeah, I think Damian Harris is situated to be a high-end RB2 with low-end RB1 upside uh, if he even catches a couple passes. Oh, I didn't know if you had anything to add there, Matt. Or did Matt freeze too? Interesting. We're just uh, having all just kinds. It's not we're just, just having me. All kinds of freeze to say. Well, I'm sure that Matt just absolutely loves Damian Harris. There we go. Now he's back. Yeah, so Damian Harris has either 100 yards or a touchdown in five of his seven games, which would be good. Two of those games, he has 100-plus and a touchdown, uh, which is also good. What I think would scare me a little bit is snap percentage-wise, the only game that he was over 50% of the snaps was that game against Tampa Bay where he had four carries for negative four yards. So I like what he's producing when he's in there, but even these last two weeks, he was sub 50% snap percentage while rushing for a hundred yards and a touchdown. He's been incredibly efficient, but he's not getting a huge role in the passing game. So that's the only thing, but given the state of running back probably doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the one thing you have to worry about then is, is, as you just mentioned, he's being very efficient. So there may come some games here in the near future where he's not quite as efficient and it's going to hurt you, even if he gets you. I think one he's one of those guys that is, if he just gets you a touchdown, and I know it's not easy to score a touchdown every single week, but as you just mentioned, I mean, RB2 is just in such a bad place right now. I think, I think he's good to go, but you, you're going to have some struggles moving forward with him at times. The Giants beat the Panthers 25-3. to At one point, I believe it was 5-3 to in this game. A real just barn burner. One of, the, one of the greater games on this past weekend. Matt Darnold struggles again, though. Gets benched. Rule does come out and say he's the quarterback of the future. Uh, but are we now officially, like, worried, done with Sam Darnold? I'm definitely worried he's having trouble 
completing passes. He's having trouble with turnovers. You know, maybe having Christian McCaffrey back will help, but this was supposed to be a winnable get right game against the Giants, and he ended up playing so badly he got benched. And there are persistent rumors that if Watson doesn't land in Miami, Carolina is hot on their heels to get him, which doesn't signify to me that they're as bought in on Sam Darnold as they try to make it sound in those press conferences. I do praise Matt Rule for trying not to destroy Darnold's confidence any further. He took the blame all on himself the week before. This one, he said, hey, this is just back to the olden days where sometimes a quarterback just needs a little time to sit and reflect before they go out there and shine. Those are all hopeful things, but Carolina was 3-0, and and they look lost now. Well, Rule also said that Sam has to play better. Uh, I, I think it, to me, it feels like they're bringing in a veteran in the offseason. They're going to – I think they look around and they see P.J. Walker and they're like, might not be the guy we want backing up. That that backup quarterback position is starting to get really valuable, especially as the season has expanded to 17 games. Quarterbacks are more mobile. Uh, more athletes are playing on the defensive line now. And so quarterbacks are just having to – they're getting hit and they're they're – the safety rules are a lot more stringent. And so quarterbacks are missing games and the value of a good backup quarterback is really highlighted. I think that they're saying and doing all the right things by Sam, but Sam is the one who's got to deliver. Uh, And for the last few weeks, he hasn't. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey is, is a difference maker. Sometimes it, it, that does matter. Not everybody is an elite positional player. Um, you know, there's not very many McCaffreys. There's not very many Lamar Jacksons. You know, there's not very many Stefan Diggs or Kyle Pitts's guys. And then you're missing them. It, it does have an impact across the entirety of that side of the ball. So, well, I think they're trying to do right by Sam. Sam's also got to pick it up. Yeah, I don't think it's unfair to say that Sam Darnold is not a floor-raising quarterback. I don't think that he's horrible. We've seen that he's played decent, but his downside has really come since CMC's been out. I think that's just because it changes the offense so much, and I don't think that the defenses have to respect the running game at all. I mean, no offense to Chuba Hubbard, but what did he have the other day? 20 carries for like 28 yards? I mean, it was... It, it was bad. They don't have a CMC for, for Darnold to be able to dump off to, and that is life-saving for some quarterbacks like him where he can he can throw a negative yard pass. He can throw two yards behind the line of scrimmage, but Christian McCaffrey gets you 30 yards. So I, I'm curious to see what happens with him. I mean, I, Jared Wackerly tweeted this out the other – I think it was on Thursday during the Browns-Broncos game uh, when there was a lot of talk on the broadcast about, you know, would the Broncos move on from Teddy Bridgewater, and Jared – tweeted and I agree with him 100%. This is not a great year to need a quarterback. I I don't know that I think if they do go veteran route, I don't know who they would bring in that's going to change much for them either. I can't off the top of my head think of many veterans that are going to go on the market that you'd probably want to have. And I mean, they're going to have him at least one more year. I'm almost positive they picked up his fifth year option. So they'll have Darnold at least somewhat cheap. 
if they do decide to go a rookie route, because I don't think the Panthers are going to have, they're going to have a high draft pick. I don't, I don't see them improving much because McCaffrey's not coming back for at least three more weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go 0 and three in these next couple weeks, Matt, despite the injuries, Daniel Jones has a huge game. Does he deserve to be the QB beyond 2021? Yeah, I think he's taken a lot of the blame for some of the bigger organizational issues for the Giants. They can't keep any of their weapons healthy and on the field. Barkley's been missing a lot of games. Galladay hasn't been available. Shepard hasn't been available. And yet, if you look, Daniel Jones hasn't been mind-blowing, but his completion percentage is a career best right now. He's at 63.5%. He's improved his yards per game. Uh, he's at a career-high 246.7 per game. He has five touchdowns. He does have four interceptions. He's had a couple of bad turnovers, but he's also running. He's rushed for 229 yards. Yesterday, he made a fantastic catch. I think he's doing everything he can to help them win, but he can't do it by himself. Yeah, I think the question, and and this question relates to Sam Darnold as well, uh, because it's easy to say, uh, let's go get somebody new. But who is who's somebody new? I mean, do you think that Carolina sits around and looks right now and thinks, man, I kind of wish we had Teddy? You know, Teddy didn't make some of the mistakes Darnold did. If you get uh, somebody in there to replace Daniel Jones, you know, who is it going to be? Are they... Are they going to get somebody in the draft? Is it going to be a veteran? Are they going to be better than Jones? And so right now, I don't think there's anybody out there that is going to be better than Jones, either in the draft or uh, as a free agent. Yeah, as much crap as Daniel Jones gets, I feel like when the team around him has been healthy, he's been good. And we just talked about this with Sam Darnold. Like, it's no no offense to Daniel Jones. He's not a floor-raising quarterback. I think he's just an average quarterback in the – the problem is we want every single one of these NFL teams to have elite quarterbacks, but there's not 32 of them. There never has been. Never in a, in a time that I can remember has there been 32 elite quarterbacks in the NFL. So I, I do think Daniel Jones deserves a little bit more time. The biggest thing is going to be do they clean house? Because there's a lot of rumors that they're going to completely get rid of the offense, uh, the, the front office, coaching staff if they do that. I don't know that whoever comes in is going to want to keep Daniel Jones. So I think that's going to be kind of the biggest thing for him moving forward. I think this was probably the most surprising game of the weekend. I thought it would be a good game. I don't think I I want to say I picked the Bengals on Friday, but I could be wrong, but I did not expect them to destroy the Ravens. You did pick the Bengals. Let's go. My upset specials have been on fire this year. I've gotten everything else wrong, but when I've, I've nailed those upsets every single week, the Bengals win 41-17 to with eight receptions and 201 receiving yards and a touchdown. Matt, is the chase for Rookie of the Year over? Like I did that? Like I did that? Yeah, you know, I think we had talked about the front runner uh, being Najee Harris, who's having a pretty epic season for the Steelers, but – uh, it feels like this is certainly going to be a year where it's not going to be a quarterback, which is a surprise because 
quarterbacks were all the hype pre-draft. They were the big talk, you know, all the days leading up to the draft and in the first round where we saw five of them go. And some of them have been okay, but it's players like Jamar Chase, who's been incredible all season long and making big plays at big times. Najee Harris, who despite uh, a decrepit quarterback and no offensive line continues to make plays. Even Kyle Pitts is starting to get it to come around and, and make a name. If, yeah, if we were voting after seven weeks, I'd say it would come down to those those two, Harris and Chase. He's definitely put himself right there. Yeah, the those are the three when it comes to rookie of the year. And it, it's a situation where who's which one of them is gonna keep uh putting the pressure on. And right now it it is Chase, uh, and then Pitts is coming on. So you know he could come out next week, put up a hundred yards of touchdown and seven catches for thirty-five yards, and we're all going to be like, "Oh yeah, that's what we forgot about that." And because he touches the ball twenty-five times a game, all of a sudden he vaults back into the front of the line. Um, you know, Chase is is good. He he's you know clearly he can catch the ball. Uh, that's not an issue, despite uh, what was going on in the offseason. And I I feel like this year we're in a situation that um, it's going to end up being Cincinnati investing in the line, in the defense, because they don't really uh, – I mean, we've seen Samaji P. Ryan ball out as the backup to Joe Mixon. Chris Evans is playing well. They still have Travion Williams – who we don't really get to see, but was really good in college, you know, and when needed, CJ Uzomo put up 40 fantasy points at tight end. So, you know, they've got a decent foundation. Yeah, for me, I think it is Chase. I mean, most receiving yards, 754 by a rookie wide receiver through seven games in NFL history. That NFL history, not the past couple of years, not the past decade, not since the forward pass was invented in NFL history. That I think is a, is a big a big feather in his cap. With no disrespect to Najee because he has been phenomenal, but he's not, in my opinion, doing what Chase has been doing for the Bengals. And the other thing I think is fair to say, well, I believe the Steelers Steelers are five hundred. The Bengals look like one of the best teams in the AFC, and unless they fall apart, I think they're at least going to the playoffs. They may not still stay ahead of the. I think they're the one seed in the AFC. I don't know if that continues. I don't know if they win the AFC North, but with the way they've been playing on defense and offense, unless they get some major injuries, I think they make the playoffs. I'm not sold that the Steelers do. And while that's not supposed to affect voting, I think that will, and I think a lot of that's going to be because of Chase continuing to be amazing. I think it's Chase's award to lose now, which – I think it's crazy because I feel like last week we we're saying it's Najee's to lose. But at this point, I, I don't see how – I think Najee and Pitts are, are clearly behind him. Even if Pitts goes out there and does what I think he can do and have the best season for a tight end overall, I mean, that's 1,300 yards. Chase is over halfway there, and we're seven games into the season. So I, I'm very curious to see what happens with, with these guys moving forward. Dennis, the Ravens struggled and looked flat. Do you think the lack of a running game is affecting this offense? I do think it it is affecting the offense. Now, I know teams want to have a balanced offense, but balance means something different to 
different teams. And while the Ravens are out more than they pass or be one of the most run-heavy teams in the league anyways, uh, the drop-off in talent between Dobbins and Edwards to Williams, Freeman, and Murray is drastic. It's it's not, I mean, there's only so much that, that Lamar Jackson can do. Now, on the plus side of things, you know, Mark Mark Andrews is doing what Mark Andrews does. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown is is stepping up and, and playing really well. And then uh, we saw Rashad Bateman come in and play a lot of snaps and do well. So I, I, I think that as long as they keep, you know, focused on what they're doing and they can execute, they're going to be in it. But you're going to have, if you don't have the balance for what what balance means to you, and, and I don't think they, they did uh, yes, uh, yesterday against Cincinnati. I don't think they kind of, they didn't execute what they needed to do. It, it showed in the scoreboard. Yeah, I know they, they made a big joke that some other teams were inquiring with the Ravens about getting one of these veteran running backs, which is all good and well to say. But uh, Murray wasn't available yesterday. He had been probably the best of the group. But if you took out Lamar Jackson's 12 carries and 88 yards from the quarterback position, the rest of those three running backs combined for 12 carries and 27 yards, that's not going to get it done in big games. And that puts just that much more pressure because Lamar not only has to carry your running game, has to try to carry your passing game. Yeah, it's it's the one thing that sucks about this because I Baltimore's a really good team. I talked about this offseason. I was kind of back in on them. I just posted the clip of me talking about uh, uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown being the fantasy MVP this year. He's having a phenomenal season, but I do think that the lack of running game can hurt him. I think that's why we saw Lamar take so many sacks the other day because he's got to do so much, and I think they want to become more of a passing team, but the lack of like real game changers in the backfield may kind of be changing that for them. Uh, Dennis, if you ended up losing a lot of money this weekend, or maybe all your teams just kind of sucked, what's a way that they could possibly win some money tonight and next week? Well, I was off Cub Scout camp out, and so I didn't have a whole lot of time to do any DFS. But uh, NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. I'm getting ready to bounce back this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5.00. You're seeing my flashing five sign up if you're watching the video. Uh, Can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, they win $200. No, it's been $100 and $150. Now, $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If sports books aren't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, 
and $5, $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Matt. The Raiders beat the Eagles 33-22. Jalen Rager gets a touchdown. Can he get back into the action for the Eagles? You know, I love the player. I love the potential, but I don't see it. He's just not a big enough part of the offense. He's seen only 30 targets in seven games. That's just over four targets a game. The last four games, he's only seen 10 targets total. Yesterday, he catches two for 25 and a touchdown. You get a little bit excited. Those were the only two targets he saw. I don't think the passing game is consistent enough to prop up all these players uh, the way it's going right now. Why you got a bag on my man's consistency there? His efficiency, I guess it it would be. Now, I, you know, Rager is in a tough spot because uh, Jalen Hurts is his quarterback, basically. Um, You know, I I get that Jalen Hurts is performing well for fantasy managers, but if they're not winning games, there's going to be a new quarterback in Philadelphia as well. Uh, I, I want Rager to to hit his potential. I think the combination of him and Devontae Smith, the way their 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 games complement each other is great, but it just it, it just isn't I don't see it working with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's been phenomenal for fantasy, but he's really struggled NFL-wise. Uh, I mean, he's done a lot on the ground, which I think has helped him out. But passing, he makes some really good passes, and then like the next one is just not great. I'm curious to see what they do, because we've, we've honestly seen that from other quarterbacks. We've seen quarterbacks for years. I mean, look at his backup, and Gardner Minshew makes like some phenomenal throws and then misses wide open wide receivers at times. I'm curious to see what they end up doing with Hurts, but right now I do agree with you guys. As much as I love Jalen Rager, this really seems to be like a one wide receiver offense, and that probably is more Goddard than anybody else than any of the wide receivers. Even Devonta Smith has kind of struggled to stay consistent, even as good as I think he can be and is going to be in his career. Matt, the uh, the Raiders win again. They are now sitting in first place. We, I feel like we talk about this every year. They're really good in the first half of the season, and they kind of crumble. Do you see that coming for them this year? It's certainly got to be the concern, uh, and they have a tough division. You know, they're going to they, – one of those losses was to the Chargers. They have to play them again. Still have to play the Chiefs twice. Still have to play some tough teams. However, you know, we've seen when you have a big coaching – issue or turnover like what we saw with John Gruden it can either cause a team to kind of fall off a cliff or sometimes it can galvanize them in a new way and for the Raiders the past two weeks at least it seems like it has galvanized them given them some energy Um, maybe it's the new play callers has given a little bit of variety to the offense and the defense and they've been playing pretty well the the Raiders you know they seem to be rallying around Rich Basaccia. Is that how you pronounce it? So they seem to be rallying around him. I know that a lot of the team also played well and really liked John Gruden. But now it seems like pause to play for. Um, but we see Henry Ruggs is starting to get consistent. He's converting those air yards, and he's starting to make big plays for the team which opens up the field for Brian Edwards, who, while not lighting the world on fire, is getting better. 
the running game is finding some consistency. If they would only use like one or one and a half guys consistently, they they do seem to juggle people around there. Some of it's injury related, I suppose. But, um, you know, and then I, I can't tell you how both elated and disappointed in myself I was with Foster Moreau's game yesterday. I was elated that he had a great game because I've liked Moreau since he was a rookie, talked about him highly in that rookie class when he came out. I was disappointed because in about half of the leagues, I either had him or was able to pick him up in. I did not successfully get him into my lineup. And so I have lots of 20 plus point Foster Moreau games sitting on my benches. And that was quite a bummer. I'd, I'd love to see it. I mean, I, I like the Raiders team. Derek Carr, you know, he was so close. Was that now like four years ago? And, and fortunately yeah. got hurt on, on the way to like an MVP season uh, and then got hurt and wasn't able to play in the playoffs. I'd love to see it for them, their fans. Uh, but uh, We talked about earlier with the Kansas City Chiefs. The AFC's got a lot of really good teams. So they're going to have to keep it going. I still believe in the Chargers in that division. I, I, I had them winning that division. I think they're the best ones. Justin Herbert for MVP still on that train, even though that one's losing steam a little bit here. So, But I'm, I would love to see them end up making it into the playoffs. I'd love to see a playoff game at the Roomba. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I actually think that car playoff season was more like six years ago because it was pre-John Gruden. It was like rookie year for Murray Cooper when they had Crabtree. I'll look at that in a minute. Let's move on to the next game. The Rams beat the Lions 28-19. to Dennis, the Lions fight hard but come up short. What is Jared Goff's dynasty value? Piss poor. He's a low-end QB2 at best. I mean, it's, a, again, who else are you going to replace him with? I mean, he, he is what he is. It doesn't help him that the, the wide receivers in Detroit are not spectacular, uh, not good, uh, not average. Uh, just, they're, they're just not. Um, you know, Khalif Raymond's popping off with garbage time points. Amon Ross St. Brown turned in nothing yesterday. Uh, it, it's a it's a tough situation. The team is playing hard. They they just are undermanned. They don't have the talent. Uh, it was kind of a Sewell kind of give Aaron Donald the what for when Donald got up in his face. Panay Sewell was like, mm, I don't I don't think you know who I am, sir. Wasn't it – so I saw you looked it up five years ago, 2016, for Carr. But wasn't it the 2016 postseason, but the 2015 season? Uh, no, it says 2016 on here. He, they went 12-3. Okay. <clears throat> he played in 15 games, so. And that was pre-John Gruden, I believe, because he was yeah, in Gruden third or fourth That year. was uh, Del Rio. That was Del Rio, yeah. I believe. Whole, he went through a whole coaching era and did nothing. Can't yes. believe they kept – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it was Jack Del Rio. They finished second in the AFC West, too. I did not know that. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Sorry. So, you know, Goff, if you look at his numbers, he isn't playing a lot worse than he was. 
with the Rams, but it seemed like the Rams fairly well decided he wasn't going to be the guy to get them where they needed to go. He wasn't going to be a difference maker. Still, one of the most amazing stats is he's never won a game as a starting quarterback if Sean McVay wasn't his head coach. He didn't win for Fisher. Uh, before that, he hasn't won in Detroit. The, I think they say he's 0-13 now uh, in games where McVay isn't his head coach, which is probably an ominous stat. The real question is, Detroit figured to be on a multi-year rebuild. It would concern me a little that his new coach has called out his lack of effort because effort seems to be a very big thing for Dan Campbell. You cannot be successful, but if he doesn't think you're giving your all, you could be on the bus outside out of town. We already saw that uh, with one of their linebackers. I think it was, was it Jamie Collins who they, they let go because they didn't like the effort they were seeing. So from a dynasty perspective, Goff's the starter this year. The real question is this offseason. He seems to be a bridge quarterback. At best, you maybe have one more year after this because it's not a great QB class, but eventually Detroit's going to do something different. Yeah, who is that team we were talking about earlier? Might bring in a veteran. Uh, wouldn't it, or Carolina? Wouldn't it be crazy if they brought in Jared Goff to go with Sam Darnold there? I would not be surprised if they don't move on from him. They've got the two first round picks, and granted, the NFL and the GMs kind of overpay for quarterbacks in the NFL draft. With the with the quarterback class that we have, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a high-end player that they really want with that first pick, and then maybe with that second pick later in the draft, grab a quarterback and just see what they can do and let Goff go. I mean, I believe they can get out of his contract fairly easily with not too much money involved now. So why not just let him go? Or Because you're going to have to pay him, so let him go. Bring in a rookie and see what you can do if they're, if they're not sold on him. Because I mean, that's the thing. Much like the Houston Texans, I mean, they're, they're playing hard for Dan Campbell. They're in every single game. They're not really getting blown out. So I do think that is a positive. Matt, the Rams start slow, but rally with Cooper Cup coming up huge again. He is wide receiver one on the season by a wide margin. What is his dynasty value? Because we've seen this, right, three years ago. This was the Cooper Cup we saw. Then the year after, he he struggled mightily. I believe he fell down. It's like almost low-end wide receiver two territory, and now he's back at it again. Yeah, and real quickly before I hit that, I looked up Goff. It would be a $30.5 million cap hit to release him in 2022, $10 million after. So it might be Yikes. two years for Goff or Goff being the – quarterback you want your rookie to learn from cooper cup i think he's back to being a top 10 dynasty asset as a wide receiver again we had seen it before maybe it just turns out you need some consistent quarterback play to maximize your potential but he looks great he looks to have great rapport with stafford stafford may not be the youngest quarterback but you'd have to figure he has you know three to four more good years in him i think that's only going to benefit cup who's on a long-term contract yeah, I, I think if I, in Dynasty, if I am uh, a Cooper Cup manager, I'm evaluating my team. And if I feel like I'm winning this year, I'm keeping Cup. If not, he is vibing like the ultimate sell high. I mean, you can get a king's ransom right now, I think, for Cooper Cup, especially playing up the, well, Stafford's going to be around three or four more years. You're going to get... I, while it doesn't it doesn't feel good to sell somebody that's performing at such a high level, uh, if you're not if if you're not like leading in points and first or second in your league, you, you know it's time to to sell. 
Yeah, if you're if you're not a contender, I'm with you on that. 28 years old. Now, granted, wide receivers can play a little bit longer than most positions. I made a trade in a Dynasty League earlier today. I gave up Cooper Cup and got a 2022 first, a 2023 first, and Rashad Bateman. And I was very happy with that trade. Get a get a young, I think, up and coming wide receiver, two first round picks. Ransom. Yeah, I, I think. That's the kind of deal, if you can get that for Cup, I'd, I'd be all in for it, especially if you're not competing. If, if you're not one of those top four or five teams to possibly win a championship, you sell while you can. Because I don't think he's dropping back down like he did the year prior, but, I mean, it, it now's a good time to get what you can for him. The Cardinals beat up on the Texans 31-5. to Let's just be honest, there's really not much to talk about here with the Texans. Uh, even with a, a bad six teams on a bye, uh, most of the Texans were not startable. So I'm just going to go to the Cardinals side here, Matt. Ertz gets into the end zone. I talked about this Friday. I thought they were going to try and feature him a little bit after the trade. Do you think that this continues moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. They probably tried to feature him a little bit after after the trade and he is a weapon i think there are going to be times where he's involved i still feel like the cardinals have such a plethora of options that it's going to be hard to feel like you're consistently going to get three three receptions 66 yards and a touchdown from your tight end there it feels like you're looking at three to five receptions but probably more in the 30 to 45 yard range and hoping for a touchdown yeah, and that's exactly why I'm perfectly fine having him because if he gets you that touchdown, he's probably finishing as a top 12 wide receiver. I mean, Ricky Seals, I believe, finishes a top 12 tight end this week, and he got you nine points. If, if Ertz can get that for you, I'm all in. And, and the Cardinals have the most explosive offense in the NFL right now, right? So I, I'm all in on trying to get as many pieces of that offense as I can. Oh, boy, this game. This game was rough. This was one of the ones I decided to watch the replay on, which was probably not a good idea because it was not a fun game if you're a fan of Justin Fields like I am. The Bears win 38-2-3. Dennis, you're an Ohio State fan, as am I, so I'm going to come to you first on this one. Instead of is it time to worry about Justin Fields, Matt Nagy's out. He's, He's out with COVID likely this week. Is it time to bench Fields? Do we need to put him on the bench and let Dalton go back out there? Is it, Fields is struggling. What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, my note that I made here says, time to worry about Nagy ruining him. Honestly, at this point, they should sit him and hire a coach that can figure out how to use him. That was the note that I made for myself as related to Justin Fields. So I, I think you're getting to the point where – you know, Justin Fields excels in play action, and they just don't seem to want to run play action with Justin Fields. Uh, the offensive line is not playing well. The right tackle was getting him killed yesterday. And, well, I don't want to sacrifice, quote-unquote, sacrifice Andy Dalton to the lousy offensive line. Uh, Fields has some work to do reading defenses and, and learning how to get into the right play. So it it does feel like it 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 might be time to sit him down. Um, I I get the point of well, there's no substitute for experience, but you also want to be getting the right kind of experience. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You got to protect him from getting his confidence shattered before he has a chance to really take off. He has six interceptions, six fumbles. 
He only has two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. He's not even completing 60% of his passes. They have been able to establish a running game, and it's still not helping him to get going. Even against that brutal Tampa Bay front, they had a running back run for over 100 yards, and it wasn't enough to help get him going. He's getting beaten up physically, probably mentally. Andy may be better equipped uh, in this situation to get the ball out quicker and make a little bit better decisions. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it because I love Fields. Um, I still think he's a, a, an or I think he's arguably the best quarterback in this class. He's definitely not playing like it right now. I, I do think it's time to sit him. Just you know, Matt Rule mentioned it with Sam Darnold, and I do believe that a little bit. Sometimes it's good to just sit the quarterback and let them kind of reflect. And he's not been playing well. I don't. I'm honestly going to say I don't think all of it's on Nagy either. I do think some of it is on Fields. Uh, he just has not been playing well. If you guys follow Nick Whalen on Twitter, he's the big Bears fan. He's posted how there's been times that Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet have all been like wide open, and Fields has just missed them. He's not playing well, and I don't know how much of that is. I, I hate to use this saying, maybe the scene ghost that we saw Sam Darnold talk about a couple years where that offensive line's just not great, uh, and maybe those guys are getting back to him, which is weird to say because they just, they're, they've been really good in the running game. Khalil Herbert's been amazing the past two weeks, and David Montgomery was pretty good before that. But maybe it's time to just kind of sit him, let him catch his breath for a couple of weeks, maybe put him back out there later in the season if you want to. I don't know that they do it. I think that Matt Nagy probably does it because I do think that he may fear for his job a little bit if he takes fields off the field. Uh, but I, I do think it, it may be time to sit him. The Buccaneers here, Matt, what are we doing with Ronald Jones? He has a good day. Is this the time to capitalize on his value? Does he have any future value? Yeah, I think what to watch for is if they decide to move him at the trade deadline. Dennis, anything to add there on Rojo? Uh, no, because he was all cutting out on me. I didn't really hear what he said. You know, Rojo's a handcuff. I'm going to take my L saying that Burnett was the handcuff. I'm not ready to give up on Rojo just yet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I, I would um... – I'm holding on to him. I like that he had a good game, but I'm holding on to him in hopes that he does get traded and we'll see what happens with that. I do think I've said it for the past two years. I think he just needs to go somewhere different. I don't Tampa Bay doesn't use him the way I think that he should be used. And and clearly Fournette's been amazing since being given the ball. There's kind of the lead back. So I think he needs to get traded. The Sunday night game, the Colts beat the 49ers 32-18. Matt, the Colts win a sloppy game. How do we feel about Michael Pittman going forward? I think it's fairly wide receiver roster there. Hilton struggled to stay healthy, so it's Paris Campbell and Pittman have been not only out there, but been producing I love Michael Pittman. I I think Pittman Pittman is stuff. up the way so uh, i don't know i think for for pitman uh you know two things came to mind for me the old song uh 
I wish I was a baller, a little bit taller, you know. The second one that came up was uh, neither rain nor wind nor snow nor dark of night will keep him from his appointed rounds. Playing in that slog last night, Pittman played well. Yeah, he did. I, I still value him as probably like a low-end wide receiver, too. I'd be curious to see if he continues to produce this way. Um, you know, Wentz has, has looked a little bit better here these past couple of weeks. This whole Colts team has looked better. They're really kind of coming on. Dennis, the 49ers fall short. Elijah Mitchell is solid. Jimmy G struggles. However, Kyle Shanahan just came out about 30 minutes ago and announced that Jimmy G will be the starter Sunday against the Bears, which I'll be honest, I think is at least the best move for the 49ers fantasy options because Trey Lance did not look great. Do you think, though, with the way Jimmy G has played the past couple games, we see Trey Lance again here soon? I think we go back to Trey Lance, the package guy. You know, if they're going to, if they want to give the impression that they're going to throw or run for the short yardage or down at the end zone, it'll be more like, I, I think initially they wanted to say, uh, they, they want to run it like they did early in the season. Just get him some experience, run a package of plays that he can be comfortable with and keep going from there. Uh, I, I like Jimmy as the, uh, um, as, as the, he's the not great. He's above average, above league average. He's going to execute the offense. He's going to do what needs to do. And they've got a great running game to support him. So I, I feel like Jimmy is kind of what we want Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones and Jared Goff to be right now is sort of how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I think the 49ers season is really on the brink and Trey Lance isn't totally healthy. Um, you know, he's got that knee injury and didn't look like he was totally ready when they turned it over. So they're probably looking at the quarterback that they think gives them the best chance to win. Uh, Jimmy didn't have a great game yesterday, but he's still a little banged up, and those conditions were not optimal. Yeah, the conditions were very bad. And I'll say, I just don't like the vibes around San Francisco right now. I mean, you got the GM calling out Brandon Ayuk. Kyle, uh, I'm going to give props to Ray here because Ray Garvin calls with Kyle shenanigans is doing all kinds of random stuff with the wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. It's just, it's a weird team from a team that was in the Super Bowl and probably should have won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. It's just taking a weird slide down. I'm, I'm hoping that they fix it because I, I do like this team and a lot of players on there. Did you know they flashed a stat last night that was interesting to me? Fifth year for Kyle Shanahan. It's the fourth time after five games he's had a team under 500. That's surprising to me. I'm not going to lie. I did not know that. I've, I've always kind of thought of him as a, a better – well, I mean, he was always an offense court. I've loved him from his time at, uh, at, mm. at Cleveland with the great Johnny Manziel play on the sideline. I, I loved him. But it's, 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 I, it's a sort of believable because they've been – Kind of bad. All right, so let's talk about the waiver wire targets for week eight before we get out of here real quick. Again, all roster percentages courtesy of Fantasy Pros. This week we have the Las Vegas Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens on a bye. So quarterbacks, uh, looking at these mostly with uh, single QBs because most super flex all these guys are rostered. Daniel Jones at 28.5%, Mac Jones at 22 and Deshaun Watson at 17.5%. Would you guys be willing to pick him up? Is a possible, like, uh, if he gets traded kind of move, how would you guys rank these quarterbacks? 
I am still of the belief that whether he's traded or not, Watson is not going to play this year. So I, I'm not in the pickup Deshaun, Deshaun Watson in redraft uh, mode at all. I like Jones the better. <laughs> I like Daniel Jones the better of the two for his running ability. Uh, I think Mac is going to be a good, solid quarterback. He's He's going to be capped on the upside by his lack of, uh, running skills, not that he's a statue by any stretch, but you know he he's not Murray or or Jackson or Allen when it comes to being a runner. Um, so, but I, I like Daniel Jones. It, it sucks that his targets can't stay healthy. Uh, he's got some decent ones in Galladay and Kadarius Tony and uh, you know Shepard and Slayton. So, uh, but yeah, that would be the one for me. Yeah, Daniel Jones would be my top pickup, and then Mac Jones, and I'm with Dennis. I'm not taking a chance on Watson. I still don't. I don't think he gets traded. Yeah, I mean, if it's if you're in a deeper redraft league where, like, in one of mine, you can put players who are out on IR, even if they're not like out on IR, I might take a little preemptive move and grab him just in case. But I, I'm with you guys. I, I don't know that he plays this year. It would be Daniel Jones for me. Running backs, you got Kenneth Gainwell at 23.7%, Rashad Penny at 21.6%, Brandon Bolden at 58 and Boston Scat at one4 Matt. Yeah, so uh, Miles Sanders got injured yesterday. Uh, might miss time. Uh, I like Gainwell to have a role all season long, but it seemed like they went back to the Boston Scott well as a primary guy once – Sanders got hurt, so he would probably be the guy I was targeting heavily this week if I need somebody to play because I think fewer people are going to be on him. Uh, then probably Gainwell, Bolden um, for me, who seems to have a consistent role, and Penny is a, still a speculative ad because we still don't know what we're going to see. Well, Penny is going to start tonight. He's going to look great, and then he's going to get a cramp in his calf and be gone for seven weeks. So, you know, he'll probably he'll he'll catch a nice pass down the sideline. He'll bounce off tackle, take one for 23 yards, and then he won't be able to walk. It's just how it rolls, which breaks my heart because I loved him coming out of college. think we lost Dennis there. So I will, is Rashad Bateman worth a pickup coming in off Twitch here? I would say, yes, he is. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, he's been heavily, heavily targeted since he came back. He had nine points in most regular PPR leagues last week. I think he, we talked a lot about the Ravens earlier today and their struggles to run. I think that they're going to pass the ball a ton. So I, I do think that Bateman is worth that on the running backs. Uh, Gainwell would be the one for me. While well, I know they're using Boston Scott, I think Gainwell's a better receiver. Penny, I think if he goes out there and has a good game tonight, is probably going to be the top guy to add. Uh, but I still think you know they've got Alex Collins. They said he's good and he's going to be in the game tonight. You know, does Penny, um, does Penny go out there? And if he does have that good game, I, I do think he's worth it because the injury that Chris Carson suffered, it, it sounds serious enough that I'm a little worried that he may not come back the rest of the season. So trying to get some kind of uh, roster ship in that Seattle backfield, I think is huge because that they do tend to run the ball a lot. 
Wide Do you think it'll sure. just be Chris Carson and Russell Wilson at the doctor's office playing table tennis, having a little soft serve? Yeah, I, I don't think either one. I, I've said from the beginning, I don't think that uh, that that Russell Wilson comes back. And I think if he doesn't, why would Chris Carson come back? For wide receivers, Michael Gallup at 45.4, Will Fuller at 36.2, Darius Slayton at 10.5, Brian Edwards at 10.3, Russell Gage at 10, and Alan Lazard at 4.3. Yeah, so Lazard makes it on here again because, you know, Adams might miss, and that might be appealing for this week, but I still think that's a a gamble long-term. Michael Gallup, it was hard to tell what kind of role he was going to have because he only played part of that one game and then got injured. But I like his talent the best. Will Fuller seems the same kind of situation. We haven't seen enough in Miami. Slayton has been the most healthy guy there, but uh, they went to Dante Pettis this week. Brian Edwards hopes springs eternal. I'm probably still going with Edwards as the best bet because I think over time he ends up overtaking uh, rugs and and developing a role there and then it after that it's probably Gallup, Slayton, Fuller, Gage, Lazard for me. Yeah, so I would definitely put Gallup one because if he comes back, I think he's in the best offense out of all the guys that we just listed there, and we've seen him have those big weeks. After that, I'm going Brian Edwards. I mean. Five, three, five, four, six, four, and four in the targets. He's been playing better. I agree with Matt. I think he could overtake, even if he's not become the one, the two in that offense, which just looks better. I hate to say this since Gruden left. I mean, we've seen Kenyon Drake have all this value. It, it, Waller may be out for a little bit, which I think could help out Brian Edwards as well. So he's a guy now you're not going to be able to get to play him this week because they are on a bye, but he is a guy that I would definitely – uh, be targeting then for me it would be Alan Lazard and Darius Slayton but again Lazard with if Adams is out Thursday maybe you have a chance to play him and he has a big week but we've seen from the past couple years like he's not consistent at all and I don't think that changes at tight end you've got Evan Ingram at 27.1 Mo Cox at 14.9 CJ Uzoma at 14.2 and Dan Arnold at 3.5 this may surprise you Dan Arnold is the guy I'm taking first, and then C.J. Uzoma, then Evan Ingram, and I probably wouldn't roster Mo Cox again if you paid me. Yeah, I mean, the one thing with Cox is, is that he gets these touchdowns, and, and Jack Doyle has seemed to just completely disappear, which I do think helps out Mo Cox. I'm with you on Dan Arnold. You know, we talked a lot about when they made the trade. We're like, there's no way he plays, and then he was out there. He's been a consistent part of the offense. Uzoma is interesting to me because – he got the 22 points this week, but he also got nine points last week. He's getting five to three targets a week, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if it's down in the red zone, he gets you that touchdown. It's just like what we talked about with Zach Ertz. And again, Cincinnati, very, very good offense. The one thing I will say with that, though, the 22 points this week, Baltimore is bad against the tight end, but so are the New York Jets, so they get next week. So, yeah, I mean, you may get another really good week out of him, but then they get Cleveland, who has been pretty good outside of the game against Kelsey. Then they have a bye week. So you've got two games, I think, coming up. One really good, one medium matchup here for Uzoma if you end up going him. So that will do it for us today, though. Dennis, unfortunately, got booted. Uh, so, But I'm sure if you guys have any questions, you can find him at culture, co- culture, coach, culture underscore coach on Twitter. There we go. 
but finally nailed that. Um, and we will uh, not have a show Tuesday. That's why we did the waivers today. Uh, so you will see me and Matt back again on Wednesday to talk our rankings, any other news, and then preview the Thursday night game, uh, which should be a very good game prior to the one we had last week, uh, where we get the Packers and the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. So everybody enjoy your night. Enjoy the Monday night football game, which should be kicking off here soon. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?